Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Estate Insights, the new podcast series from Savills, exploring the real stories behind the property headlines and getting to grips with the forces driving property markets. We're looking at what's up, down and sideways in the property world and offering you a uniquely Savills perspective on what's coming down the road. And we're doing all of that with some of the brightest and best minds in the business. And me, Guy Ruddle. Today, we're going to be answering a question I never thought I'd ask. How on earth did warehousing become the most exciting part of the property market? And a question I wish I didn't have to ask. Is Brexit, yes, there it is, is Brexit really going to cause our supply chains to clog up so much that they grind to a halt? And these are, of course, tricky questions. So we've scoured the industry and assembled a top-class panel to answer them. Richard Sullivan is Savile's National Head of Industrial and Logistics and has worked in the sector for more than 30 years. Morning, Richard. How are you doing? Morning. Very well, thank you, Guy. Good, good. Simon Dixon is the Founder and Managing Director of Hatmill, a supply chain and logistics consultancy that's helping people improve their supply chain management and things like that. Morning, Simon. Morning, Guy. And Peter Ward is Chief Executive of the UK Warehousing Association, which is the leading trade body in this area. It has over 700 members and he used to be commercial director, I think, uh, Peter, of London Gateway, which is that sort of massive integrated logistics hub. Yes, good morning, Guy. That's absolutely right. So let's talk about this area generally and then we'll get on to Brexit a little bit later. Mm. I was chatting to somebody who isn't from Savills but is in, in this world recently and he said that his focus for many years had been retail and that he was having to shift, he was being forced to shift his emphasis into warehousing, logistics and, uh, and, and the like. Is, is that a common thread, do you think, Richard? I think very much so, yes. The thing that we never anticipated or expected was this structural change, this move with the advent of online to people now wanting to purchase products and have them delivered to home without going via the shops, as it were. Is it just big buildings full of stuff to be delivered to people doing online shopping? A very interesting question because probably scrolling back even five or ten years ago, you know, everybody's view of a warehouse was, uh, you know, a sort of very large building, probably somewhere in not somebody somewhere very salubrious and just packed full of products that uh, sort of moved around from time to time. I think supply chain and UK logistics is a wholly more sophisticated concept than it was then. But has this sort of explosion in demand for that sort of space and in this whole area, has it been, well, I suppose, has it been an explosion or has it been a slow burn and a gradual build-up? Well, I, I guess in, in the sense that it's all happened since uh, Steve Jobs stood on a stage somewhere about 10 years ago and gave the world the smartphone, that's the time frame that the explosion has uh, taken place. So it is a revolution, not an evolution. Simon, when you're talking to your clients, you presumably are, are tearing their hair out half the time about what, you know, getting space, because there is a shortage of space right now, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the... Um it's not just the availability of space, but it's the type of space. So more and more e-commerce is requiring different shaped warehouses, so they're needing more height as people need to put more mezzanines in. Um, and then obviously the, it pushes a growth in, in parcel networks. So you're then seeing some rather unusually shaped buildings with hundreds of doors and very little space as you want to flow product quickly from one van to another. It's not just looking at the overall stock, it's looking at the type of building and the type of building that is required um, in the right location. 
Um, and that's where we have challenges at the moment as the online retailer strives increasingly to get closer to the consumer. You know, the the expectation in the market now, driven by the Amazon effect, is is to deliver at worst case next day, and in some cases same day, and in some cases within the hour. So holding stock in big centralised distribution centres that were fit for the high street replenishment model are somewhat passe now, and, and, and these online retailers are looking for smaller um, more direct to the consumer facilities close to those urban areas. We've so far talked about online retailing, but is that all it is? Or, or is it, a, you know, are there more customers, more types of company needing more and more of this type of space? I think online has sort of led the way, but the sector is also so much more diverse. And probably, you know, when we put our banner above the shop door, you know, we're, we're industrial and logistics. And I think one can't move too far away from the industrial side of things, whether that's in the automotive, the pharmaceutical, food and beverage. And of course, in all of those manufacturing sectors, uh, they all rely hugely on supply chain, whether whether that's raw materials going into uh, the manufacturing process or probably more significantly, the end products coming out the other end and needing to be distributed uh, around the country and to reach those, reach those customers. Go on then, let's talk about it, Brexit. <laughs> yeah, so there's two things about Brexit, aren't there? There's the short-term thing and then there's the there's long-term thing. Let's deal with the short-term thing then. And uh, Peter, did you say that we were four meals from catastrophe. Is that, is that really a quote of yours? Well, it, it's not a quote of mine, but it's one that we've been using really to highlight the, the seriousness, really, of uh, the potential impact of a day one no-deal um, scenario. It really just demonstrates how we've, over a long period of time now, honed these little and often supply chains, particularly with the fresh produce that's coming in from Europe. Yeah. Really? Yeah, you, absolutely. No, you're I, buying it? No, I'd, I'd agree with Peter on that. I think, you know, 20 odd years of, of working in logistics and a lot of that in food, the pressure on cost over that period of time has meant that every single organisation is trying to move product the least distance, touch it as fewer times as possible, and deliver it exactly when the customer wants it. And if you're going to do that and continue to have a business, you've got to do it at minimal cost. And that means you can't be sat on excess inventory and you can't be sort of holding large quantities of this product because you will be uncompetitive and you'll go out of business. And I don't think the consumer, the man in the street, if we want to call it that, the voter, um, walks into the supermarket and actually realises that, or or the restaurant or, or anywhere else that you consume Uh, food and beverage in this country, that 50% of it is imported and 75% of that is from the EU. Richard, these guys are just talking their own books. Surely something will be sorted out. Well, I think therein lies the challenge and the opportunity for us in the real estate world because the issue we have is that, you know, we're very illiquid. You know, things don't happen terribly quickly. We've probably honed down construction of uh, distribution and customer fulfilment centres to, you know, a a six or eight month kind of build period. But it's all the lead in before that. And uh, I think, you know, our challenge is trying to sort of make the books balance between 
you know, what are these customers going to require? Where are they going to need it? When are they going to need it? And can the developer uh, and and long term investor community, you know, respond adequately to those needs? Yeah, because you sort of uh, wisely, I think, shifted shifted the conversation a little bit away from what happens if there's a no deal Brexit in the next six months to a sort of longer term thing. I, th- I think so because again, although yes, you know, with Brexit, it's right on top of us. Our ability to react to that is is pretty. Negative. Negligible. I mean, it, we, it's either what we've done and it's there, or actually, you know, if we have to react to something, then the uh, the, the drag, the the lead-in is sort of twelve months horizon, probably realistically. No, I, and I would say that the biggest risk of a no-deal Brexit, as far as developers of, of warehousing space are concerned, is that if multinational businesses no longer see the UK as a suitable place to distribute across Europe from because of border delays, because of um, t- extra tariffs or whatever, they will start. You'll see the centre of gravity that, that make, minimises the cost move to sort of southern Germany compared to currently sort of around sort of Benelux area uh, at the moment. And we get the benefit of frictionless trade. So a lot of people based, you know, particularly US businesses, come to the UK because of a language synergy and therefore distribute across Europe from the UK. That will stop as soon as you start getting friction and tariffs. Let's look at the, to the future if we can. Do you get a sense of where it goes from here? Is, is, is it... Yeah, you see, you know, I say that, and the first thing you do, Richard, is smile, is smile and raise your eyes to the, to the ceiling. Is it, is it really... I mean, is it, does anybody know where this is going? I'm not, I'm not sure they do, and that's probably what is the most exciting piece. I think we had a bit of a perfect storm, so austerity and online or internet came together, which actually meant people wanted to buy uh, goods easily and cheaply, and we've kind of snowballed from there. In the last nine years or so, we've had a, a, a annual average take-up has almost doubled from 16 million now up to 30 million square feet, and all the signs are that you know that trend will continue. So, um, what, what proportion would you say was... More about people renewing their facilities where they're currently in, let's say, something that was built in the late 80s, early 90s that might only be four or five metres high, but now they're going to more efficient space around 15 metres high to reduce the footprint and, and get some benefits. Yeah, so uh, I certainly think what we are going to see is um, as techniques and specifications improve that we're providing better and more flexible and even indeed more sustainable buildings. And that will, I think, contribute to the fact that um, it may flatten out in terms of, of take up because people can you know in the world of logistics it's all about filling the cube isn't it and and that 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 will be a you know a, a driver whether it's mezzanines whether it's uh, automation i don't know whether you saw it the weekend in the weekend papers ocado are part of a group who are testing sending stuff by pipe did you see that i, I think see it was that, in the yeah. times on saturday could there be something that changes the dynamics so fundamentally in the way that amazon or steve jobs or whatever changed the dynamic to get to where we are now well, well it, it it sounds you know it sounds sort of real proper star trek stuff doesn't it um but but you know the in the in reality there are a number of trends that are going to have a significant impact uh, on us going forward you know clearly electric vehicles we've got congestion in the uk you go to the next degree which is you know is everything going to be delivered by drone onto roofs of buildings oh, uh, I thought of that and 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 you know the, these are areas that you know aren't just kind of in mind's eye they are being trialed as we speak yeah and i think you know the tomorrow's world thing is is a those richard's right those things are being trialed they're much more futuristic um, we've got some real 
challenges just dealing with this um, urgent need of urban distribution on a Victorian infrastructure that is already creaking, that will fall over um, in the next two or three years if, if there isn't some radical change in logistics infrastructure. One example is multi-storey facilities. People here in the property world have said, oh, that'll never happen. You'll never, you, we don't need multi-storey logistics centres in the UK and you, you won't get planning permission. That the, the investment dynamics don't work. Well, we're starting to build them now. So those are the sorts of changes that I think will, will come. The slightly more practical, more obvious things without necessarily the Star Trek um, invention. And that feels like a pretty good place to draw this all to a close. So that's it for this episode of Real Estate Insights. Gentlemen, thank you all very much for being here. If you want to make sure that you know more than anyone else around the dinner table when the talk inevitably turns to property and that you have more interesting things to say and stats to come up with than anybody else, then please subscribe to us using your usual podcast provider. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening and see you next time. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.